Hey, party people, what is going on? What's the haps? <laughs> it's your girl, Lo, your host of the You Had Me at Your Low podcast, the podcast where Asian Americans can come and air it all out. This episode was a lot of fun. It features my first two male Asian guests, um, Rob Chen and Lee Shorten. It just so happens that they are both actors, and you can check them out at their respective projects. They're both really out there doing great things, and I was able to sit down and talk to them about what it's like to be an Asian male and what their experience is like and talk about what projects they have going on and all that good stuff. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Here you go. Enjoy. So why don't you just start with like an intro, like tell us a bit about like who you are and what you're into. Um, yeah, hi, I'm Lee Shorten. Uh, I'm an actor. Um, I used to be a lawyer, so uh, don't hold that against me. Was that joke, but it's kind of true. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm probably best known for Man in the High Castle, um, mm-hmm. where I played a character called Sergeant Yoshida. Um, in terms of what I'm into, uh, just a bunch of nerdy stuff like everyone else these days, I guess. So, you know, reading and film and TV and, uh, yeah, video games, comics, the, the, the nerd works. Awesome. Cool. So what inspired you to become an actor? Uh... Yeah, it's one of those weird things. Uh, you know, a lot of people you speak to is like, yeah, I had a passion for this since I was right. a kid. Or, um, but that kind of wasn't me. I, um, um, I never really had an interest in acting. I'd always liked film and TV, but, um, you know, acting I hadn't really thought about. Um, mm-hmm. But what kind of happened was is I did uh, film studies as my undergrad at, at um at college and then I was playing in a band at the time and things were going, you know, well, like I felt creatively fulfilled. But then when I graduated and started working in um, a law firm, I had to give up music. And after five years of that, I just felt really empty and I realized I missed that creative outlet. And uh, then I felt back to how much I love film and TV and I thought, you know what? Acting seems kind of cool. Why don't I just, uh, why don't I just see what that's about? That's awesome. So did you take classes okay. or anything or anything like that or like? Well, yeah, yeah. So I moved because uh, I grew up in Australia and uh, I moved to Canada of all places. Um, and then I just started taking some classes and shooting some indies and then got really lucky and kind of started working professionally early on and things just kind of kept rolling. Oh, that's awesome. So like who are your acting like heroes? Like who, who are like, sort of idols? Oh, um, ooh, so tough. Uh, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman was, was great. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was a phenomenal actor. Um, and, uh, I think Heath Ledger was, was, was really, really starting to come into his own before yeah, we unfortunately sure. lost him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I think like Robin Wright Penn is, is doing amazing. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, those those probably the, the three that kind of come to mind. I'm, I'm like a big fan of character actors. So. Ah, okay. Yeah. Cool. So, like, is there is there like a dream role that's out there that might might already exist, or like something that you always wanted to play? Um, you know, 
it's it's a little cliche, um, but uh, you know, I'm a big I'm a big fan of those kind of flawed heroes, like mm-hmm. like the Breaking Bad styles or, or Sopranos or, or something like that. So um, it'd be really interesting just to play that kind of anti-hero. Um, other than that, you know, I, I really would love to play a, a supervillain someday. Oh, cool! Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> huge Sinestro fan, and um, that'd be dope. And yeah, cool. So, what was it like to grow up in Australia? Uh, it, you know, uh, it was interesting. <laughs> it's like such a diplomatic answer. Yeah. So, uh, I was I was adopted when I was six months old and I was raised um, in a small country town um, by two uh, you know uh, white Australians mm-hmm. um, so it, it was an interesting experience because I, I didn't really have any kind of connection or understanding of you mm-hmm. know Asian culture so uh, growing up you kind of felt white-ish but then because you're growing up in a small country town where it's like 99% white there was like a disconnect because people couldn't right. see you that that way. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you couldn't escape your, your physical appearance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, um, you know, it's like obviously Australia is a beautiful country and like America and Canada, like just such a fantastic land of opportunity. But, you know, certainly it had to, its ups and downs. Like, like, but I guess everyone's childhood does, right? No one's perfect, so. Right, totally. Did your parents, like, uh, keep your sort of Asian culture alive in any way? Uh, not really, no. Um, it's tough because, yeah, it's like a small rural town. Mm-hmm. So there, there wasn't really, you know, this predates the internet too. So it was kind mm-hmm. of difficult. Uh, you know, even if they wanted to, which I'm not really sure that they did, to be honest, but even if they wanted to, I don't know how they would have done that. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't until... Uh, maybe like my teenage years mm-hmm. where I even kind of started to look into into Asian culture at all. So, Oh, yeah? In what way? Uh, so we randomly met this Korean family who, who had bought a farm just outside of the town. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think we were at the doctor's office and they happened to be there too. And mm-hmm. uh, So we befriended them and they sort of started introducing us to, to the food and the language. So I, I took Korean lessons for a little while while they were in town and, uh, yeah, and started like eating Korean food. And at the same time, too, um, it's, it's, again, it's so cliche. My life's such a big cliche, but I, I started getting interested in like Japanese anime. Um, so, you know, seeing Cowboy Bebop and Neon Genesis. Um, Aww. so it, yeah, it was just kind of a weird, like coming at, coming at it in a really pop culture sense though, too, I guess, as opposed to a, you know, a traditional sense. Gotcha. Did you have any other siblings or was it just you? Yeah. So there's, I have a younger sister who's also an adopted Korean, um, but she's not, you know, my, my biological sister. Right. And then I have a younger brother who is the biological son of my adoptive parents. Gotcha. Okay, so. cool. Huh? Yeah, it's an mm-hmm. interesting family mix. <laughs> That's awesome. So did you sort of, well, when did you decide to sort of just like pick up and move? Uh, to be honest, it's just opportunity. And, you know, the, the Australian film market isn't that big to mm-hmm. starters. And then, you know, growing up, 
I, I don't think I, I ever saw an Asian person on TV, like, period. Totally, yeah. So, um, you know, and there's a lot of, like, Asian Australian actors now, um, but I just thought there just wasn't, like, I just was never going to make it if I stayed in Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just figured I had to, um, I had to move, like, so. So how long ago was that? Mm, five years. Oh, wow, cool. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah, going off of what you're saying, there really isn't, I mean, there is some, but I feel like lately in the U.S. we've been getting more, um, you know, Asian American representation or just Asian representation, period. So like what, in your opinion, like what are some good examples of like Asians on screen? Oh, <laughs> it's so tough. Uh, like, um, we always talk about, like, the burden of representation mm-hmm. because there's, you know, there's not enough representation, so we always want any representation to be everything to all of us, so it's, it's such a difficult thing. Yeah, for um, sure. Yeah, so, uh, God, what, uh, Asian-American, right? Um it doesn't have to be Asian American. It could just be like, I guess, any sort of representation of Asians that you, that you feel is like authentic. Oh well, I mean, you know, obviously, if you I, everyone loves Korean cinema. There's, there's so much good Korean cinema out there, so yeah. that, that always feels pretty good and authentic. Um, and um, yeah, in terms of but, um, what's happening in, in Asian America, I mean. It, yeah, High Castle was was pretty good. It was pretty good. They they consulted as 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 best they could. Um, and you know, no, again, no one's no one's perfect, and right. especially television, you have so many deadlines. But um, but they were doing what they could. And then I know that the new show that Lewis Tan's on, Wu Assassins, is shaping up to be pretty good. Um, yeah, I've heard really good thing about. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've heard Tong Wars is, is going to be really good. Uh, Cool. I guess Crazy Rich Asians is all in the all, all in the hype these yeah, days. It's, it's kind of everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, because um, Kim's Convenience too uh, in Canada, uh, I think. Um, yeah, I've watched uh, that. Show. It's so funny. Yeah, you like it? Yeah, I think it's really funny. That's good. Yeah, it's, it's like oh, and fresh off the boat, obviously, and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. You know, we, we we've come a long way. Yeah, I think that's Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. so, so, how did you land the role in High Castle? Like, what was that uh, like? So, uh, I've always been um, a really big fan of Philip K. Dick, mm-hmm. uh, like a huge Philip K. Dick fan. So when I when I heard they were adapting the the novel, um, I just kind of said to my agent, like, uh, I'll I'll just take anything on the show because I just kind of want to say I've been a part of it, you know. Right. right. So just. Just get us, just get, just get me something. And so I went in for an audition for this kind of just one episode role. And then I just got really lucky because they, they, you know, Dan and Frank just saw something in me and, um, and thought, wow, we can probably do something with this character. And, and then they, so, uh, they turned it from a, a one episode thing into a recurring and, um, so they just cool. continued to write for me and Joel. And it was, yeah, it was, it was really lucky and, and really nice. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So, why why do you think like we've gotten sort of like a sudden growth in interest of like the Asian story recently? I mean, 
I, I guess part of it is definitely the influence of China and, and the Chinese box office and, and mm-hmm. people pursuing that and then Chinese investment as well. Uh, I certainly think is, is a huge part. Um, uh, and a little bit the same with Korea. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think there's, there's a bit of looking at that as well. Um, I just think we're also lucky in that a, a lot of the, a lot of the old school Asian actors like Joel and Carrie and then the big Kim, mm-hmm. um, the, the guys have been out there for so long, like just grinding it out and, and proving that we can do it. And now in a position to kind of send that elevator back down. Yeah. So I think they've kind of risen up and, and sort of stepped into more of the producing, directing chairs and, 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 um, so that's enabled them to kind of open doors for the rest of us. Um, and I know a lot of the Asian writers like, um, you know, Queen Nguyen and Galamco and Ins mm-hmm. Choi who wrote Kim's Convenience, you know, they've been out writing plays for so long and, and working with a lot of, a lot of these actors like, you know, B.D. Wong and, and Joel. And, mm-hmm. and so similarly, they've been able to transition into film and television. And I, I just think it's, it's literally those people just out there grinding and hustling and, and laying the groundwork for the rest of us. Yeah, for sure. I agree. So what's the audition process like? I feel like I have an idea based off of, like, movies and stuff, but I've never actually heard, like, someone's experience with it. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward. Um, yeah. You, you get the sides, as they call them, like the the scenes that you need to prepare the day before, basically, uh-huh. um, usually the night before. Oh, wow. And then um, you work them as best you can, and then the next day you go in and you just go into that little room with whoever's in there, and they point a camera at you, and uh, you do your thing, and you leave, and you hope that uh, you didn't, um, you know, <laughs> mess up too horribly. <laughs> Got you, yeah. Is there anything, yeah. have you ever auditioned for something crazy, or did they ask you to do anything, like, out of the ordinary? You know, I've been pretty lucky. I've been pretty lucky. Um, good. So, yeah, nothing, like, weird or, or anything that would make me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so... And, you know, you do hear the horror stories, but I've been pretty good. You know, occasionally they want you to do the accent or something. Um, right, right. But, but even that, you're like, I'm not one of those people who is, like, immediately opposed because, you know, mm-hmm. people have accents. Accents are real. So I agree. I, I'm always, like, whatever is best for the story. And, and yeah. if, if, if an accent serves the story, then let's do it. So Yeah, I agree totally. It's, isn't it tough, right? It's so yeah. tough because it's... Everything that we do is so nuanced, and there's no kind of like blanket statement, huh? Yeah, totally. That's nuts. So, yeah, like we were, ta- you touched on Crazy Rich Asians before. Like, so what are your thoughts on the all Asian cast, and like your thoughts on the the movie in general? Um. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's in some ways it's crazy that it's taken so long for us to have mm-hmm. uh, this this all Asian American or you know Western Asian cast um, so it's nice it's good to see these people um, you know many many who have been out here for a while like Constance and Gemma um, and, and Chris um, Pang like it's good to see them you know they're going to be on the big screen in this ensemble cast telling this very Asian story um, mm-hmm. it's fantastic uh, uh, Again, the flip side, I suppose, is 
it's so hard to because it's just such a small slice of of totally. who we are, you know. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, you know, God, I, I hope I hope it's a huge success, so we can start telling more of those stories. Me too. I agree. I, I was looking at some tweets earlier, and someone was saying how they wish that it has the same effect um, that Black Panther has. Um, on the box office, but also for the Asian, I mean, for the African American community, it was a huge thing. I just know, like, when I go see it, I'm definitely gonna be extra about it <laughs> and, like, no. make it a whole event, you know? Well, I, we've earned it, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I agree. You know, I, I'm also kind of like that weird guy too, because mm-hmm. and, and you know we're all a product of our history and our context. But it's like I, I really want to be able to tell these like very Asian specific stories, and I think that's that's wonderful. But I also hope we get to the point where Asians on screen can just be people, and their ethnicity isn't yeah. integral to the storyline. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's like, of course, yeah. Yeah, you know, Denzel just gets to be Denzel, you know, like Washington. It's not like whenever you cast him, like, it's like, you know, his blackness is inherent to, to the to the narrative all the time. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I, I feel like whenever an Asian is on screen, it's like they're, they're playing a very specifically Asian character. So. Yeah, and they have to sort of explain, like, their background and, like, why they're even in the show to begin with and ex- instead of it just being like they're a person <laughs> right <laughs> they're not like the best friend they're not like the love interest or the nerd or you know what I mean so yeah absolutely yeah like I know me being Filipino like I've only seen Filipinos on screen be like either you know highly sexualized woman or like the maid so it's like which is yeah there's just so many I think I think it's something like the fourth largest immigrant group in America. And, like, for just to be that amount of us here and then just to have us be portrayed those two roles, it's just so wild to me. You're so right. It's just, like, we need to inject ourselves more into, like, the representation area because, it, I mean, that's just the, the truth of it. Right? Yeah. And and you're right, like you know, it's it's again, it's so tough because you know definitely East Asians, um, are, the representation is up, but Southeast Asians, it's mm-hmm. still like way way behind, and it's uh, it's it's awful. And I, I know I know a couple of um, Southeast Asian actors, like my good friends Jay and, and Lou, and it's hard for them because. Usually, yeah, the, the the Asian characters are East Asian, so they can't even audition for that. And it's it's a yeah, it's like there's, there's a lot of work to do. Yeah, totally. I mean, I know like for Southeast Asian, it's mainly been a lot of Indian Amer- American um, actors in the mix, like you know, um, Aziz Ansari, Mindy Kaling, like all of them. But that's right. not. That's not the only, you know, those aren't the only brown Asians, essentially. Right. Right. <laughs> so just to like, yeah, I mean, that's re- I mean, that's really the reason why I wanted to create this podcast is that we could just share all of our different stories because we're not just single side. It's not just one side of us. You know what I mean? We're not like the mo- the model minority. Are you familiar with the model minority? 
Smith. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this whole idea that that's the mold that we fit into is just, like, to give people the platform to share their stories, like, in our community and just say, hey, like, there's just so much more to us. And, you know, on that, I have to say, like, you guys, we owe so much to you, too, like, the journalists and, and activists in the field. Um, because in some ways, you know, as an actor, it's just, like, the reasons I want this in some ways is so selfish and, you know, in many ways, the actors get all the glory because then we're the ones on the screen. But the work that that y'all are doing really helps that too. Because without without you guys kind of discussing the issues and giving a platform to the issues mm-hmm. and advocating and campaigning, you know, we we wouldn't be able to do it either. It really is kind of we need this end to end framework to to make it happen to to have real change. So so thank you. Oh wow! Thanks so much. I guess I would also thank you, too, for just, like, following your dreams, you know what I mean? Like, and not just sort of staying in one lane, you know, and just really, because part of it, part of how people perceive us is how we're being perceived on TV and film, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, people never think, you know, it's just television or whatever, but you're right, it shapes it shapes our worldview so much, right? Yeah, it does. I remember, sorry, I remember traveling to Iowa like 10 years ago. Oh, really? <laughs> and this, uh, this this lovely old lady was just like shocked to find that there were Asian Australians. Like she just couldn't comprehend that they existed. Really? Wow. Um, and you can only think, the only reason she would think that really is probably because media, because she, she probably, her, her whole understanding of what Australia looks like is, is probably shaped solely by television and film, so. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Like, what did, what was her, yet? like, how do you know that she was so, like, surprised by it? <laughs> well, um, <laughs> so I, I, I was, uh, one of my friends who, who I met in college, he took me to his, his house for Thanksgiving, and um, yeah, I was just talking to this lady, and she actually said, and it's 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 horrible, but I, I get it from a generational perspective. She she says to me, "Yeah, I didn't realize they had the slanty eyes in Australia." So, oh wow! Yeah, so that's how I knew. <laughs> that's really wild. Like, how did you react? Well, it, it, it's that kind of thing too. Like, you experience so much of this growing up. It, some days it's like water off a duck's back, and then some days it really, mm-hmm. just for whatever reason, really like digs the knife in. I happen to be in a really good mood, and you know, I'm at their house, I'm having a lovely dinner, so it, it was just kind of like I, I and I, again, she was she was older, so I kind of got it from a generational perspective, and you could see that even though it's like a, a horrible thing to say, that's not her intent. Um, mm-hmm. That was okay. I was as okay as you can be about it, you know. Yeah, totally. It's one of those, like, sort of microaggressions that, that we experience that you're just like, I could react right now, but it's also all she knows. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Right? And, and, and you're right. We make those decisions all the time. Like, is this worth? <laughs> you know, is this worth getting into and really getting hurt by this? Or do you just kind of, yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> So, like, are you um, auditioning now? Do you have any cool things coming up? Yeah, I mean, you're always, you know, it's the life of an actor, the audition <laughs> grinds. Um, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, I, you know, I was uh, I was close to booking something on Blue Assassins, and I, and I went to uh, to someone else. But that other guy is like a fantastic actor, and he's been at it for a long a long time, and he's got a great look. Um, mm-hmm. So when I heard it went to him, I was actually pretty stoked for that guy. Um, I, the Terra is, is coming up, which is the season two. They're going to focus on Japanese internment. So I auditioned for that the other day too. So fingers crossed. But luck, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the only thing I have locked in is they're doing a, I don't know if you know, but Kim's Convenience is a play. Oh, okay. um, cool. Yeah, it's originally a play, and they're doing a run here in Vancouver, and so I'm 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 attached to that, so that opens in a month. So. Oh, that's awesome. Have you done um, theater before? Yeah, I, I try to do one or two plays a year, you know, scheduling permitting, because um, mm-hmm. it's always fun and always a good experience, so, yeah. That's cool. Like, what would you say is like the like the big difference between you know doing theater and like doing film? Um, the way I would describe it to people is it's like the difference between the hundred meter sprint and a marathon. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, they're both you moving, you see your legs to go somewhere, but at the same time, they're totally different like skills. Wow. Um, and like, yeah, and like film and TV is, well, you know, because film and TV is a lot about, you know, you're shooting out of order and you're doing a lot of different takes, um, and it's very technical, so it's mm-hmm. kind of like you've got to be able to deliver again and again and again on an, you know, an emotional level, and it is like short bursts of filming, and because the camera's so close, it, it's a lot about really subtle, nuanced work. Whereas, you know, theater, you do the whole thing every night. So it's more like the marathon where you just, once the curtain goes up, you're going for like 90 minutes. Um, and you get to go on the whole journey, but also because, um, you know, the people 100, 200 meters away have to be able to understand the story. You have to be a bit bigger and a bit showier. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. So, what sort of roles have you been coming across? Um, it's been it's been pretty good this year, actually, um, just because there's there's been a lot of Asian centric projects. Because um, a lot of the time, you know, you, you are up for the the stoic Asian dude or the nerdy Asian dude or the doctor or the the, the lab guy. Um, there's a lot of that for sure. But um, but lately, yeah, because there's been a lot of Asian-centric shows with, with like predominantly Asian casts, we're finally starting to see just like you know a, a widespread. So um, it's, I, I can't talk about a lot of them because they're not out yet. But uh, I will say that, like the landscape is definitely improving. Oh yeah, that's awesome. That's great to hear, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's. <laughs> I'm such a cynic, right? Which is which is <laughs> terrible, but you know, like it, it's like crazy rotations is so exciting, and everyone wants it to be a game changer, and I hope it is. Mm-hmm. But then I think back to Joy Luck Club, and I'm like, that should have been a game changer. Right. So you know what I mean? So yeah. it's so hard for me to. I, I just can't get hurt like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> not again. <laughs> not again. So I, I'm always like cautiously optimistic. Like let's hope yeah. this wave continues and isn't just like a fad. Right, totally. Like, I was reading um, the article, I think it was Hollywood Reporter, and they were talking about the whole 
process of how Crazy Rich Asians even got to be like a film. And it was actually being considered by Netflix. And they were going to get a crazy payout. Like the author who, who wrote the books, Kevin Kwan, was saying that he could he could have just like stopped working and bought an island and like all that kind of stuff. But it, wow. Yeah, like it was so crazy. And it, but he, he, it was so important to him and the director to to have it be like a traditional like movie in theaters because they wanted to give it that chance. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was just like, just to know that whole backstory that like he could have, you know, gone that route, but that's just that's just how much is riding on it. You know what I mean? On this movie, and yeah, and and you know what? Respect, infinite respect to to the creative team for for kind of making that sacrifice for the greater community. So yeah, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, like, and also the the commitment to just having the roles be cast by people of Asian descent, I feel like it's 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 refreshing for sure. It's nice, yeah, isn't it? It's just so nice. Yeah. So yeah, um I'm just about wrapping up. Is there anything you wanna plug or like you you wanna just share like where people can catch you in? Uh oh yeah, well I guess um I did a. I'll be guest starring on the new season of Van Helsing, which you can check out. Um, cool. Yeah, thanks. And then uh, when Disney finally launched their streaming service, you can see me in Noel uh, in a Kendrick's movie. Um, cool. I'll be on an episode of Take Two next month. Then, if you haven't seen it already, you can catch me on the new Mega Man cartoon. Um, so. Um, I'm voicing one of the villains on that. So. Oh, you are? That's so exciting. Yeah, thanks. Cool. I, I love the game as a kid, so it was kind of dream come true stuff. That's cool. It kind of came full circle. Right? Yeah. Awesome. So thanks so much again for doing this um, and being on the show and being interested in all that kind of stuff. It really means a lot. No, seriously, thank thank you for your work. It's um, it really is appreciated. I know from like all of us, from from all the Asian actors in the community. So, thank you. So, thanks so much for doing this. No, thank. Oh, first, oh, thank you for creating this i mean <laughs> for me that this is amazing i've been following you for a while so like for me this is, this is really good and it's really cool to see you creating a whole podcast out of this so oh really that's awesome so, how yeah. did you come across yellow ranger oh uh, to be honest i i don't really remember i was um it's probably like from on instagram and i, yeah. I was like i was already because i already follow like a good amount of different asian mm-hmm. american uh, profiles on instagram and I think yours was one on the side, and I was like, "Oh, Yellow Ranger! This, this sounds pretty cool." So I, I checked awesome. out the stuff that you posted, and I was like, "Word! This this got some fire in it." <laughs> Thanks so much. That means a lot. Awesome. No problem. You know, it's just one Asian American to another Asian American, just supporting the movement. That's I all. I know. That's what we have to do. We got to just keep shouting each other out for sure. Yeah, you already know. You already know. Nice. Okay, so let's see. 
So you wanted to talk about um, the whole issue that Asian Asian men have, which yeah. is like the emasculation of them, especially like in America, I guess. So definitely. this is something that I've definitely wanted to talk about. I don't I don't think I've gotten a whole lot of um, input. Like I don't really know, you know. Obviously, your guys' experience. So thanks so mm-hmm. much for hopping on and talking about this with me. Hey, anytime, homegirl. I got you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay, so I guess we'll just start um, by, why don't you just give us a little intro to, like, who you are, like, what you're about, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, well, my name is Rob Chen, uh, born and raised in New York City. Uh, currently, I, I'm a full-time actor, and I'm a part-time after-school teacher, and, yeah, li- lived here all my life, uh, and growing up here it's it's definitely been a very unique experience being asian in america being asian being asian in america is a very is already really interesting and i think you know being if you're an asian american woman mm-hmm. there you have your own unique experiences and then being an asian american man you have your own unique experiences too so being able to like grow up in like a place like new york city where you see all this and then for me i i grew up in brooklyn and then my family, we moved to New Jersey when I was 10. Then mm-hmm. after that, like starting eighth grade, I started going to a boarding school in, uh, in Pennsylvania. It was actually the military school. So I was like, wow. guys, um, it's just like a whole bunch of like young dudes who are trying to figure things out, but mm-hmm. there's definitely a lot of, like hyper masculinity over there. I was there for two years and I, I definitely saw a lot of like different things. And that, that was really when I really started to see like, racism straight in front of me dead on um stayed there for two years and then after that i transferred to a uh, college prep school in princeton new jersey mm-hmm. like literally a minute walk from the princeton campus and that, that was when i really got into diversity and I, I met a lot of different international students from the middle east from china from japan all over the world so seeing their perspective was really interesting comparing to my perspective growing up in America. And then after that, I went to Northeastern University, uh, studied business, but then I took a class called the Asian American Experience class during my senior year. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, it was, it was crazy to be a part of that class because mm-hmm. they don't... And it also made me realize that like not all colleges have Asian American studies courses. Right, right. And this is... Mind-boggling for me because our people back in the 70s went on hunger strikes to get these courses in universities, and not every college has that opportunity to provide Asian students with to learn about our own history. So learning about my own history and being able to trace so many different things back was what really propelled me to become an artist and to become an actor, to really be a voice for the community and then to collaborate with others and to engage with other people in dialogues. Same thing with you too. Mm-hmm. So, and then came back to New York city after I graduated and started acting training, just graduated from that this year. And I'm a full fledged actor. So here I am talking to you. That's dope. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. So, wow. Um, Like, when you took that class, like, what sort of things did you learn that you might have, like, not known before or kind of just, like, woke you up, like, whoa, like, (laughs) to the experience, like, I guess, of Asian Americans in the past? 
Mm, definitely. There's a oh, so much. Um, I I thought I knew my history. Mm-hmm. I, I was always pretty adept at the history and like knowing the facts about it. But when I took the class, I I realized that I knew nothing. I realized that yeah. <laughs> wow, like I was sleeping under a rock this entire time. How come? Our high schools and middle schools don't include so much of this history in our Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I was so... I didn't hear of Vincent Chin until I took the class. Right. And that... I was so... I was even a little frustrated because I'm like, how come nobody informed me of this? How come I wasn't aware of this? I I felt so bad about it Mm -hmm. until I took the class and I was like, wow, he... They, they had a whole, like, march, a whole protest about um, his whole trial case and the murder of Vincent Chin. Mm-hmm. Certain things else I didn't know about, like, for example, like, uh, in San Francisco, the I Hotel, the International Hotel, where a lot of uh, Filipino uh, immigrants were staying there. And then the city wanted to knock it down because of gentrification and stuff. Yeah. I know about that until I took the class. Just like how I did know about the amount of xenophobia, like I knew it existed. Mm-hmm. Just like how, like in general, like on general, I would say like most Asian Americans who grew up in America have a good understanding of racism on a general sense. But I think more need to know about in terms of like the historical context of certain things. Like okay, during the like when Chinese immigrants first came, like a lot of people know about the gold rush. Of a course, lot of people, yeah. They, they, they knew that, like, okay, there's, for example, Chinese people who came to California so they could see gold. And then when the gold rush finished, they opened up laundromats and Chinese restaurants. And that was what became the first Chinatowns. But mm-hmm. when we start reading it a little bit deeper, you start to see, oh, wow, like, throughout all this, there was a lot of xenophobia. And when Pearl Harbor happened in 1940s, there's massive, massive amounts of xenophobia and racism. And even Dr. Seuss wrote, he drew like comics to make with like really like racist, like features of Japanese people mm-hmm. Wow, and, and things. And it got so bad to a point where even like Chinese reporters or people had to put a stamp that had to have a pin on their uh, what's it called? Their like their blouse or their suit. Mm-hmm. Just to say I'm Chinese. I'm not Japanese. <laughs> Otherwise, like they might right. get. Right. Oh man, that's crazy. So, yeah, I didn't. I didn't know that until I took the class. That's insane. That makes me like want to take that class now. <laughs> are, are you in college or like? Oh are you- no, I graduated in 2012. Where were? Yeah, so I went to school in St. John's in New York. Where were St. John's? Repping it. Yeah. <laughs> So, so yeah that's insane. pretty much like i think education is just so important and i i just missed out on so much of that beforehand so yeah. when i took the class I, I just connected a lot of different things and i'm oh wow so mm-hmm. this is why we are where we are now this is why people think this way about us mm-hmm. this way about asian women this way about asian men Therefore, the movies are featuring us in a certain light. Right. And it's not the full picture. Yeah. I think think it also has to do with, like, we just need to get our voices heard and, like, out there. I feel like 
now I'm seeing it more and more where we're kind of like standing up for ourselves, especially with things like Crazy Rich Asians yeah. and searching. Certainly. But like, um, I think more and more people are getting an idea that we're not just East Asian. You know what I mean? Like there's so many different types of Asian Americans. That's like, so I know some people kind of like are against the whole Asian American term in general, because it's like, how can you put all of these cultures into one you know yeah. umbrella term so yeah it's tricky yeah That's it's really tricky so i feel like definitely the representation um it's 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 definitely starting it's the beginning you know what i mean but there's still a lot that needs to get done for sure a lot more that still needs to get done yeah so um yeah i guess let's go back to the whole um like how asian men are perceived like where do you think um, the emasculation of Asian men like stems from what do you or like what are the roots of that? Uh, bottom line, it, it stems from fear. It stems mm-hmm. from xenophobia, and we could actually date this back to the 1900s when uh, Chinese immigrants were coming in for the gold rush. Um, when there's a huge influx of immigrants coming in. First of all, there was only men were allowed to come into America. Only like the Chinese men were allowed to come to America. They couldn't bring their wives, mm. their, their children. Mm-hmm. So it was only men who had to come in and they worked. And then the little bit of money that they made, they would uh, send it back to the villages. And for a lot of Americans, it's in the same respect as what we see nowadays with um, that fear of Muslims uh, right. and terrorism, quote unquote terrorism, and also that fear of like say uh, Mexicans like crossing the border and they're taking our jobs and stuff. It's the same idea mm. back then, back in the 1800s, where they're like, "Whoa, they're taking all our jobs. They're they're mining and they're, they're coming in huge amount of waves." So whenever a group of people have fear in their hearts, they will paint the other group in a darker light and they will pick on these little things that they find is so different from them mm-hmm. and they find differences as a bad thing so as an american who has never seen somebody who's asian or somebody from china back in the 1900s when they look at an asian man like this chinese man who is shorter than them who is uh, skinnier than them mm. also wearing silk clothes mm-hmm. you know not stuff made out of cotton or wool. They're wearing something that's smooth and silk. They're like, who is this person? Right. They have more, uh, they are probably weaker. They're probably more, they probably have more feminine features. Right. Uh, and then especially after the gold rush period, um, these men would open up Chinese restaurants and they would open up laundromats and these sweatshops. Mm-hmm. So, and these are jobs that back in, old America, these were considered jobs for women to be a cook, to uh, do laundry, that classic American term of like, you know, the men go to work, the women do all the household stuff. Mm -hmm. But here they see these like Chinese immigrants who worked in the coal mines and they're creating, they're opening up these restaurants that, and these uh, laundry mats. And they're like, well, I aren't women doing this. Mm. So it goes back to the whole idea of like what American standard of masculinity is. And so when they see them, when these, when the Americans see these Chinese people, they're like, Oh, well 
they're definitely not seen as they're not held onto that same level and that same standard right don't see that and there's also been some fear too during world war ii Mm -hmm, absolutely Uh, particularly with uh uh filipino soldiers actually Mm -hmm. and there was actually like there's there's this whole i think there's this article that i read like from way back when where there's where people legit had a fear that filipino men were going to steal all the women in america that's insane (laughs) yeah (laughs) so because of all these fear they created their own perception of what Asian men could be, mm. you know, and then, and they, and they portray it in the movies that the old movies and, you know, movies in the forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties, and nineties, even early two thousands. Yeah. It's only recently that we start seeing more of a change with representation. So yeah, right. but that's kind of where it all stems from. That makes perfect sense, actually. I was looking at some old um, political cartoons of how, like, Filipinos were sort of viewed when um, America was, like, I guess, inhabiting the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're just super, you know, super racist. Almost looks like the characters are blackface. Oh. Yeah, it's insane. So all of that definitely makes sense. So I never even thought of it that way where it's like, it stems back to like early early immigration you know Mm -hmm. of of just like this person is different from us they're a threat you know and it's it's kind of interesting how it went from that to like where it is now with the model minority myth where it's like oh actually you know before we we saw them as a threat but you know actually they're kind of like they're kind of like they're kind of like us you know that we shouldn't really worry about them too much you know so it's, it's actually interesting of what you mentioned just now with the model minority mm-hmm. that was actually created uh by white people yeah model minority myth back in the 60s mm-hmm. so and and it was mainly just because like asians were working with black people during the civil rights movement absolutely and the u.s news article came out about oh what is this this right. is the Asian people are the model minority. Black people, Latino people, you should follow them. Mm-hmm. They're not on welfare because they have their own community. They do so well in math. Look at them and look right. at you know. Yeah, for so. sure. It's like there's so much um there's so much history of Asian Americans fighting for civil rights alongside uh black people and mm-hmm. It's kind of like that, like you said, like, why isn't that stuff being taught? Because it's so important. Like, the the more, the more you, I feel like the more I grew up, the more I realized that, like, everything is so whitewashed in in terms of historical education in America. And it's like, how do we portray it where everything that America has done in history is like, this is a good thing, you know? So it's like, that's why... Um, I always just reference the Philippines because I am Filipino. So, (laughs) yeah, so in terms of, like, the Philippines, you only get, like, the one or two paragraphs in reference to, like, America and World War II, and that's really it. That's it. So it's like, I I kind of had the same thing as you, where it's like, 
I was looking for to learn more about, you know, Asian Americans or just even um, Filipino Americans in general. And I couldn't find it. You know what I mean? Yeah, because so. they, they don't have, they don't put it out there in the public school systems. They don't have it out in the U.S. history textbooks. It's like kind of up to us at the beginning to mm-hmm. have this interest to search for ourselves, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah, but hopefully that could change. Yeah, hopefully. So yeah. what do you think, um, you mentioned it earlier, um, how Asian men in like, I guess the golden age of Hollywood, how they were portrayed. So what are some negative examples that you can think of and like what are some positive ones? Um, so in the golden age of Hollywood, that's kind of like in the in, in the 1900s, around like 1940s, 50s, mm-hmm. 30s even. Um, and you, you'll see like in general, this is regardless whether it's Asian men or Asian women. Number one, they're all yellow faced. Right. Um, all the movies that have that Asian references to it, it's all been yellow faced. Uh, on top of which, like if you're going to go specifically Asian men and the types of portrayals that they put, uh, there's this there's a um, uh, Fu Manchu mm-hmm, who is mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's the, the evil China man who's got his little mustache that he twirls. <laughs> so yes. there is that, um, and there is. But, but then there's also a positive one too. Although, mm. once again, also yellow face. There's a there was a series called um, Detective Charlie Chan, mm-hmm. and Charlie Chan it was it was like a big hit back in the day. It was like a black and white uh, TV show, and it was played by a white dude. Right. But he's this detective who fought crime, and he like uncovered a lot of hidden things and like drug trades and stuff like that. So that was actually pretty cool, minus the fact that he was yellow faced. Yeah, and minus the yeah. fact that he was not Asian whatsoever. He was not <laughs> and he was also he, he was based off of a real person mm-hmm. named Apana Chan, who's a detective from Hawaii, I believe. Don't right, right. Mm-hmm. I believe he's from Hawaii. I believe so too. Uh, and and so yeah, so I think like so those two are the first two that I, that comes to mind. Later on, there there will be more films that comes out that still puts down Asian men. Um, Long Duck Dong, yes. Handles, perfect mm-hmm. example of that. Uh, and that's just one to name a few. Mm-hmm. There, throughout this, throughout all these movies that came out, there's been so many movies where the Asian guy uh, is seen as weak or seen as really nerdy. And if he's not seen as nerdy or weak, he still doesn't get the girl like in Romeo must die with Jet Li. Oh and yeah, totally. Like he's fighting people. He's, he's doing his thing uh-huh. and all right, that's it. That's a wrap. That's a wrap for the movie. You <laughs> that's know? all he gets. That's all he gets. He doesn't, he doesn't even get a kiss from Malia. Nothing, you know? Damn. So, and, and another movie, uh, the live action movie of King and I, um, mm-hmm. Not the musical version, but uh, the one with Chow Yun Fat uh, and I think Jodie Foster. And so in that in that remake, once again, it was the same idea. And I think like a lot of producers back in those days were very afraid of having uh, an Asian male as a lead. Right. 
let alone a romantic lead. Right. Uh, like a lot of these producers, they didn't want that or they were really afraid of putting that out there. So instead, they'll have these interesting people who either like these kick ass like Bruce Lee and Jet Li and Jackie Chan. And, but they will always be like, okay, but when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to romance, we cut that out. That's very true. Yeah. So. That's very true. Like you mentioned Jackie Chan, and it just made me think like, even in those Rush Hour movies, like they do give him a love interest, but... Yeah, and Rush Hour too, he has one. But it's in a way where it's like, it's kind of not sexy do you get what i'm saying like yeah. it's kind of just, it was just kind of like cute like oh he has this girl now you know yeah. what i mean it wasn't like oh wow like he's a man's man i mean it's jackie chan like he is a man's man like do you yeah. his career spans for so so many years and like his whole thing is physical you know what i mean like exactly if yeah. anyone else had that you know same kind of career You'd be like, wow, that's like, he's always the hero. He's always, you know, mm-hmm. saving the girl. You know what I mean? That's, that was the thing with a lot of the Asian actors. You know, me being an Asian actor myself, I started to study mm-hmm. some of these other Asian actors who made it and have had really successful careers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the ones that I have studied who were from Asia and then they come to America. Right. They, they see this similar thing where, for example, uh, like Jet Li and Chow Yun-Fat. Mm-hmm. Like Chow Yun-Fat, he's, he's like a pretty tall Hong Kong dude. And he actually said it in an interview himself. He said that, yeah, it's really interesting. Like the roles that I get in America, I play a villain. Yeah, play oh, yeah almost always. Lead. And then when I'm in Asia, I'm a romantic lead. Wow. It's like, luckily it's changing, but like a lot of these actors and a lot of these people had to like go through that in America. And it's like, there's this, in a way it's his own bamboo ceiling. Mm, that's a really good term. You can't get any higher than that. That's true. I mean, we do see it starting, you know what I mean? Yeah. Nowadays you see it starting more. Yeah. But like I was saying earlier, it's still very much so where Asians are seen as East Asian. So Korean, Chinese, Japanese, mm-hmm. we're still trying yeah. to break that like mold where, um, you know, brown Asians exist, but yes. in, in a very specific way where they're just Indian. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I think we'll still view like Asia as East Asian. Yeah. And- they disregard Southeast Asia completely. Yeah, it's which really is interesting. Shame. You know, there's 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 a whole um, talk about that in, in talks with like Crazy Rich Asians and mm-hmm. how in Crazy Rich Asians there's not enough. They they felt like there wasn't enough um, South Asian and Southeast Asian representation, considering that it was that it takes place in Singapore. Exactly. You know, so like, and like the only in the book Indian it, people yeah. that we see like the the two guards right right yeah. uh, and then you have the, and then you have our one token filipino Amer- a filipino actor who's in it nico right and exactly that's pretty much it yeah so that's still have a long way to go yeah because in the book there are mentions of other southeast asian people so I'm sure that they'll include more because um, there's actually going to be the sequel coming out. Yeah, I know. I can't I wait. I know. It's going to be dope. But um, I'm I'm sure that they'll try their best to. But as is the issue with a book turning into a movie, you know, there's only so much you can fit. 
but I did like how they portrayed um, Asians in general in that movie because it 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 was obviously it was like very obvious like okay they're Asian we get it but it was also like they're also just people they're also Mm -hmm. just people doing and experiencing things that everybody experiences you know what I mean issues with your family issues with your significant other and all that kind of stuff so it's like yeah that's what i loved about it it's kind of like it it took off that mask of like okay this is an asian movie of course it was like that was the most important thing but it was also like no this is also just a love story yeah it's it's like wow (laughs) our people yeah (laughs) right beings who who go through similar things that any other human being goes through wow who would have thought yeah and i'll I'll, not to just like go because i could talk about crazy rich asians forever but uh, I don't me. I, me too. I saw that three times. <laughs> That's dope. But um, I also loved how they referenced certain things, like um, cultural things that only we would get, like mm. certain terms that they said, and they didn't translate certain things, or even yeah. like even like the even like mahjong, they didn't explain like, oh, this is how you play. You know, it's just yeah, like it's if you know, you know, and if you don't, then it's it's like it was speaking to us, and that's what I loved about it too. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad that movie came out, and I'm glad it did so well in the box office too. Because actually, because mm-hmm. of Crazy Rich Asians, um, six other studio projects have been greenlit. And have, oh, really? Uh, yeah, but they because before they were all waiting. They were waiting to see what the results of Crazy Rich Asians would that be. That makes like, sense. Yeah, if, if tanked, then they would probably say no because they would be like, oh, you know, maybe. You know, there's this whole thing where people were saying, oh, yeah, Asians can't be leads because if they were, they wouldn't sell in the box office. It's, yeah, yeah. They had to wait for Crazy Rich Asians to come out to see how well it, it did uh-huh. in order for other studios to say, okay, we trust that. Unfortunately, it's just stupid that they had to do that, but Very, they had to wait yeah. for this result. Then they could say yes to these projects. So. Yeah, absolutely. So have yeah. you had any, like, personal experience with like Asian men being emasculated like mm, in the definitely. dating world or like just in general definitely definitely a lot of that um I, I, even like just one example of like I, I was probably in junior high school mm-hmm. to early high school and I was just talking to one of my friends we we're both working at the same job she's a family friend of mine and at the time she was in high school and she, we were just walking down, like, I don't know how we even got the conversation of this, but she says, yeah, I don't date Asian guys. And, wow. and she's Asian. She's, she's Chinese American, just like me. I grew up with her ever since I was like two years old. And I, I remember vividly, she said, I don't date Asians. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. So what kind of people do you date? She's like, I, I prefer white dudes. I was like, um, okay, sure. Right. And that's just one small example of that. And then going and seeing all that, like having that example on top of like all these different movies that don't really quite represent me as an Asian man definitely affects, affected my upbringing and how I felt about myself. Mm. It definitely affected my confidence, how I perceived myself. I didn't think I was attractive growing up. Mm-hmm. At all. 
and it, it took a lot. It took a lot of. It took a lot out of me in order to to push myself out of the out of that shell for a while. I was, and I I didn't even have my first kiss until second semester senior year. Oh wow! I was just like, and I was just because I was really nervous because of how you know people perceive me and. Right. And everything, and, it, and when I went to college and I did an internship, this was in Boston, and I worked at a tech startup. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you know a tech startup would be really open to all types of people and whatnot. But I remember exactly having this conversation with two of my coworkers, one who was white, which is a white girl, and then one who was this Asian guy. And so me, me and my Asian American coworker, we were just talking it up, chopping it up. And she was there too. We were all just talking. And I, I was mentioning how I was like, yeah, you know, like I, I feel like Asian men could, are very dateable and we are sexy. You know, we're just as capable as any other race. Of course. And of, of course, and that's what I feel. At that point, I've already gained that confidence in myself. But uh-huh. then, but then um, my coworker, who's this who's this white girl, she says, well, a word on the street says you guys aren't bad. <laughs> so, uh, She's probably hearing that from other white girls, like, to be honest. <laughs> like, like, where are you getting this information? I was like, where are you getting this information from? Like, have you boned an Asian guy before and you had a bad experience? Was, was that the reason That's why? That's what like, I'm saying. Maybe it was one dude who just, like, yeah. made it bad for the rest of them. But, like, come on. Yeah, it's but she probably didn't, but she probably never even did an Asian guy, anyways. Yeah, that's probably and the reason was because she heard it from whoever. <laughs> yeah, it's just word on the street, you know. It's just perception and it's judgment and it's stereotypes. That's pretty so, bold to say that to an Asian. <laughs> yeah, and but but see, that's another thing is that like I feel that a lot of non Asians feel like they could just say these things to Asian people, right? They could just say these jokes, these microaggressions uh-huh, towards uh-huh. Asians, and they feel like it'll be okay. A lot of it because we don't talk back, we don't fight yes, back. Yes, yes, that whole so, idea. They'll never, they'll never do that to a black person, right? Because, like, you know, how many times, like, somebody who's white or whoever, they'll, they, if they were to say a black joke, they always got to make sure they do a double take, look around the room, uh-huh. or they whisper into their friend's ears, right? Closeted, this closeted racist joke. Yeah, that's why I feel like it's so important to just, like I said, like give a voice to our community because things like that are going to keep happening until we shut it down. Yep, keep happening until until we're like, yes, we are at this level where we feel happy Mm -hmm. and we feel good about our own community and we we feel good that people won't judge us this way and just like make fun of us and think they could get away with it. Absolutely, we got to stand up for ourselves. It's true. We have to. So yeah, um, yeah. The, the, those are like the first two examples that I, I thought of, like mm-hmm. in terms of how this whole like Asian emasculation has affected me. Right. It affected me too. Even like when I like like not to sound graphic or anything, like but when I first had like sex, like for me, I was like, oh damn, like would I even be good enough? Like would she would she think that my package is too small or something? Right. And it didn't it didn't even click to me until even like a few weeks later where I was like, damn, I let all of what society's perception is affect what I thought about myself and how good I'll be in bed. And therefore I, I was very self-conscious when, when I was like having sex for the first time. And I was like, 
oh man, I, I hope, I hope it's all good. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like society was like, this is who you are. And you were like, yeah, that's who I am. You know what I mean? It's so insane that it's, it's, it's like uh, a crime almost if you accept and love yourself as a person because it goes it goes against everything society says you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. it's like if you embrace who you are it's almost like an act of rebellion you know what i'm saying yeah in in many ways it is Mm -hmm. i think that's why like sometimes like non-asians when they see a confident strong asian man or asian woman Mm -hmm. they're almost a little taken aback by it like whoa I, i didn't expect that exactly it's true they said that same thing with jeremy lynn actually when he when the whole insanity um movement came about like in 2013 right all reporters and all these sports analysts they were like wow he's surprisingly deceptive (laughs) (laughs) it's like wait he's he's like it's just a surprise we we never would have expected that and you know how many times that they that they brought up the fact that he went to Harvard. It's like, okay, we get it, but yeah, his talent and the reason why you should be seeing him is because of basketball. It's not because, you know, he fit for that for that amount of time he fit into the mold. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like I, every time I heard about like the latest like when he first came out, I was like, really? How many times do we have to say that? Like I get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. so um do you so when did you first fall in love with acting i know you said when you you decided to come to new york um so yeah that was like why i i've always been interested in it Mm -hmm. um but it was always one of those like i admire it from afar type of deal it's like that kid in the museum that sees a cool exhibit but he doesn't want to touch it he just looks at it from afar that was kind of like me, like in when I was growing up in New York City, and when I saw my first Broadway show, and then I saw Blue Man Group and stuff like that. And so I always knew I liked it, like from afar. But it wasn't until high school where I really took a chance at theater. And that was when my uh, the choir teacher, the chorus teacher at my high school, said he just asked me, "Hey, hey, Rob, do you uh do you sing?" And I said, um, uh, not really. I sing in the showers. And he says, okay, well, you should still audition because we have an audition coming up for our first all-males a cappella group. And I was like, um, okay, sure, I'll, I'll try it. And I auditioned, nervous as hell, but I got in somehow. And then I got my, that was when I got my first taste of performing on a, st- like really, really performing on a stage just with cool. a few and that turned into a whole. I, then after that, I just called the I caught I caught the acting bug. Nice. When I, when I started doing a play and I started doing musicals, but I mean, my parents weren't like really about it. They they weren't like they they, they saw what I was doing, uh, but they felt like it was just a phase. Uh huh. So in college, I didn't study performing arts or anything. I I studied business and I minored in in music music industry. Um. And that's how it was for a few years. I did a little bit of dance, as, and that was my way of like still keeping up with performing arts. But it really wasn't until I, and I was going to reference it back, when I took the Asian American Experience class, 
that was when it all changed for me because seeing all these stories and reading up about them really changed that for me. And I was like, wow, I can't believe I didn't know anything. And it's, it's up to us to make a difference. And at that time I was already a senior mm-hmm. in college and I was like, I'm about to graduate with a business degree, but screw it. I'm going to go for the arts. And awesome. so I did it and I, I pierced my ears as a way of defiance and as my symbol of going into the journey, being going into through the journey of being an artist. And I never looked back since. And then fast forward two years later, I've graduated from my acting conservatory. That's dope. And yeah, did, did a couple of short films and mm-hmm. it, it took that class. It really took that class for me to really look into my own self mm-hmm. and really weigh in the option of, okay, can I see myself contributing to society and to really make a difference and to be happy mm-hmm. or cubicle or doing whatever, doing whatever job I was going to do right. um, or can I see myself making a big difference while being happy and knowing that I'm capable of doing these things in the arts. Mm-hmm. So I decided to go into the arts for that reason. That's awesome. That's really brave. Trying to, you know, yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's, it's like in our community, if you, it's very scary at times to kind of announce to your family that like, Oh, I'm going to be creative. Yeah. I'm oh, not yeah. going to take this route, you know? Cause like, I remember, um, cause I, I went into the arts too. My background is in graphic design. Oh, word. Nice. Yeah. So I, I kind of lucked out cause my dad kind of had the artist bug. Nice. So he kind of like, he kind of got it. He was like, okay. But, um, I don't think he knew like you could really make money off of it. I don't think my family knew either. Like mm. if you tell them you're getting to art, it's like, oh, you know, I, I don't know about that. And like I had one yeah. family member tell me like, oh, you're not going to make any money in that. You know, you should do something yep. else. I got so many family members who tell me the same thing, too. And I have this thing where it's like um, if if somebody tells me I can't do something, I have to like do it. <laughs> like you want to prove them wrong right like, somebody tells me no it. it's just like Fuck you i could actually do it <laughs> actually i'm gonna do it oh <laughs> yeah so i actually love not i want to say love but i really appreciate when that kind of stuff comes my way because it just like fuels the fire even more definitely that's 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 great that you're 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 also like pursuing art and you you're, you're you are being defiant yeah for sure you're existing and you're being you're defying the odds. So and you're raising your voice as a result. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotta do it. So, yeah. um, when it comes to like the roles that you come across for Asian men, like, do you think that there is, there still kind of emasculating characters or do you think that you see like a shift? Oh, uh, there's, there's definitely a shift for sure. Oh, I awesome. think past few years has definitely been a shift um me personally because i started on my acting journey just a few years ago i would say a good two-ish years ago mm-hmm. i'm still like getting my feet wet in the industry but i i have come across certain things like certain roles um and i remember one role for a student film it was actually written by uh, this this Korean student 
who, who was studying filmmaking and he wanted me to audition for the role of this, uh, this, this young Chinese boy, probably like around 19 years old who, and he speaks Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember reading up the part for it. I was like, I, I don't know if I want to do it because like, he seems like he's just so naive and he doesn't know what he's doing and he's trying to get the girl and obviously he doesn't get it. And then meanwhile in the movie, like in the script, like she, she makes out with this like older white guy and stuff like that. So I was like, I don't know if I want to be a part of this project. Right. Eventually like, he convinced me to do it and it actually turned out to be like a, a pretty dope project in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say another one is actually recently, um, I'll say recently, as much recent as I'll say, as in last night, I got like a, I got, I get a message um, from Actors Access, which is uh, a platform that actors use to submit their headshots and resumes and for them to see casting calls. Got it. And I see, I see, um, I see this film that they, that they want me to audition for. Uh, I I can't give out the details of the name or Mm -hmm. who's part of the project, because it's a, a little big, bit of a bigger scale project, but mm. the role there's two roles that my agent submitted me for. One was this guy named Fang, and another which is for Chinese worker. Mm-hmm. So those are two roles that they submitted me for, and it was the concept was like this this guy who's an immigrant comes to America, and then somehow he gets transported to modern day times, and he sees his grandson. And so they, oh. they, had us, they had us like answer a bunch of questions. They said, okay, tell your uh, talent slash actor to send us an email uh, answering these questions that we have. And so I was reading up on these questions. And on the final question, it says, are you, are you able to do uh, an accent if you have been mm-hmm. told audition for one of the ethnically diverse roles? Mm-hmm. And for me, well, both of the roles that my agent submitted me for were Asian roles, so they're eth- they're ethnic roles. Mm-hmm. And I, I had that conversation to myself last night, where I was like, "Oh, <laughs> still see us as foreign." Yeah. Uh, they still want us to have accents or be a certain way. I know. Um, but I, I, I didn't. So I, I I still sent in my response to them, and I just said, "Hey, uh, so for this role, um, yes, I would, I will, I could do an accent if that's the direction where you're going for. But if this character is living in the millennial time and he works at a company and is talking about a website, I don't see why not he can't be an right. Asian American who has perfect English." Yeah, of course. So that was my response to them. I haven't heard back from them yet, yeah. but I might hear back from them on Monday. So That's these are things that I still see every now and then, but I will say that it has gotten better and it's getting better and better and better. And a lot of it is because of our own people, because we have decided to raise our voices, to go on, so to use social media as a platform on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, to spread our message and, because we're, we're very adamant about it now and we would not say we would not, we can't take no for an answer. We need these people for our cast. Do not whitewash our, do not yellow face. Our people do not white face. Our people. Mm-hmm. We want our actors in this light. We want our characters to be in this light. 
So thanks to our own people, Asian Americans are helping other Asian Americans. Yeah, that's really dope. And K-pop. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. um, wow. So what are some things that you think we can do to inform people about like the true depiction of Asian men? It, it just comes down to conversations, you know? Like yeah. convers- Even this conversation that the both of us are having mm-hmm. is great. And the more conversations and dialogues we have, the better we will get at understanding one another. Mm-hmm. And so part of it is media, because when you have media, you can spread it to the masses. Part of it is politics, because through politics, you could change rules and regulations. Right. Um, another huge one is education. It's what we talked about earlier. Like, how come we don't see, how come there's only two paragraphs about Filipinos in the U.S. history textbook. Exactly, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, and that, that's actually another big reason why I, I chose to be an after-school teacher, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that way, like, they could see an Asian face, and this person is the teacher. Um, one of the schools I teach at, it's predominantly, uh, like, Latino, African-American, Caribbean, Islanders. Mm-hmm. So just me being there, they see, the, oh, well, he's clearly Asian. He's teaching us dance or he's teaching us public speaking. So it's it's for us to be able to, we are, well, I don't want to say like model minority, but we are this model. Our own individual selves are the model and we are the examples that we give to other people. Right. So by us going out there and living our best selves. That's so true we could like shine our light will shine towards other people and they will see who we really are mm-hmm. and they will start to realize that oh wait like being cambodian is different from being thai which is different from being japanese and so on and so forth mm-hmm. people will start to see the difference the more we talk about it and we can't be quiet that's the other thing we just can't be quiet about it we have to keep talking this is not the end Great, Crazy Rich Asians came out. Cool, that's a first step. Yeah, it's the only it's beginning. A lot of work the ladies get done. Mm-hmm. So it comes down to these conversations, and that's why that's why I am both an actor and a teacher. That's great. So to, yeah, so to wrap up, um, what is one thing you'd like people to know about um, the Asian American men's experience, like? What is maybe maybe a stereotype that you want to like clear up or whatever? <laughs> uh, I'll say I'll say um well for for all for all the Asian men who are who are listening to this um I mean just know that you're dope you're sexy you're cool you got it for those who know that great for those who don't here you go and then something that for everybody to know about an Asian American man or just an Asian guy in general Mm -hmm. is that our experience is very unique and very specific, just like any other, any other person's experiences. So we should look at it with just as much care. Like we should look at Asian, an Asian woman's struggles and the things that she deals with in terms of hypersexualization and um, human trafficking and and um, and like rape cases like look into those with just as much delicacy and care just as we should on like Asian men with their 
uh, with being asexualized because that is how we get to start engaging in real conversations is when we get to open our ears and look at one another and be like, hey, you know, you are different and you are unique, but I want to get to know who you are. And you have just as much of an importance at this table as everybody else. That's dope. So, yeah, that's what I'm with. Awesome. So are there any projects that you want to let us know where we can find it or any upcoming things that, you know, we can see you in? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, uh, so my, my friend actually wrote um, a pilot for a, a web series that we don't, we don't know what's going to happen with the web series, but we shot and filmed the pilot and I have a very small role in it, but he's one of my good friends, Nick Van Gogh. And there's already an article written about him on, I think it's called the Teal, Teal magazine, mm-hmm. which is a, this is a South, it's a South Asian magazine and publication. And he, he's Indian American from New Jersey. So he's writing about his own experiences. Mm-hmm. So this is probably going to come out in 2019 and there's also going to be the short film that that I was working on that's uh it's also going to be going through the film festival circuit starting 2019 so okay great awesome that, the name is secret lies of Asians at night that's the actual title oh wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> that sounds dope so yeah so be on the lookout for that if you hear this short film called secret lives of Asians at night and people are like hey what's what's up with this film why is it called this way there's some interesting soundtracks in it how come is this how come is that then you'll know what it is <laughs> you heard yeah. it here first <laughs> heard, it, heard it here first live on yellow ranger yes awesome yes. so thank you again so much i feel like this conversation i learned a lot honestly um about like what you guys go through and stuff and i hope someone out there is listening and is like you know what i am i am really dope i am sexy fuck it (laughs) you know and if you don't believe it listen to jay park's new song there you go (laughs) awesome thanks again for taking the time to chat with me hey Um, lauren thank you thank you for creating this once again hello 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 it's your girl Lo again. That was the Asian Men Are Sexy 2 episode. I hope you enjoyed it featuring Rob Chen and Lee Shorten. It was so cool to have them as my first male guests. Um, yeah, I mean, it's true. Asian Men Are Sexy 2. It's about time that they were not emasculated by Hollywood any longer and I thought it was really cool that they're both actors and share that same love for acting and so I decided to put them together in this episode and give you an extra long one this time as you may know by now if you don't know (laughs) I like to close out each episode with a self-care and self-love tip. So for this episode, I'm going to talk about making that plate colorful. And you might be like, what do you mean? Like, am I supposed to buy a rainbow plate? Like, what the hell does that mean? No, that's not what I mean. I mean, what's on your plate? So I'm all about being healthy and eating right. But I know every once in a while you got to indulge. 
But for this, for these purposes, I'm just going to talk about making that plate colorful. So what does that mean? That means eating more fruits and veggies, guys, everyone, folks. It's really important to do this. I know I sound like your pediatrician, <laughs> but it's super important to eat your fruits and veggies. You get tons of nutrients and a lot of the stuff that you search for and things like caffeine, sugar, carbs, all that stuff. You're not going to get the nutrients and the vitamins that you need to have a sustainable diet. So make that plate colorful, guys. Get as many fruits, fruits and veggies as you can, whether you juice, have a smoothie, you know, I always like to sneak in some greens in my smoothies. Um, I like to have green juices. You know, if it's hard for you to just grab an apple and eat it, um, that's a really quick way to get those fruits and veggies in there. Um, even if it's just making your plate half veggies and the rest like protein and carbs, it's just super important. So that's my self-care tip for this episode. I hope you enjoyed my chats with Rob Chen and Lee Shorten. Thank you guys so much for listening and I will catch you next time. All right. See you then. Bye.